Welcome to Daily Living. My name is Shirley and here on Daily Living, we focus on our daily walk with Christ. I may sometimes refer to myself or others as an FOC or a follower of Christ. And it simply means that I strive daily to live my life according to the Holy Spirit's teaching of the scriptures and not by man's doctrine. So if you are a babe in Christ or you're saved, but you yearn to have a deeper, a more intimate relationship with Jesus, or maybe you've lost your way and you want to know how to come back in his presence. Maybe you're not a Christian at all, but deep down inside, you know that you're missing something. And you know that everything else that you've tried just hasn't been working. And if that's you, then you are in the right place. I pray that God uses me as a vessel to lead you to Jesus Christ. Amen. Many of us are focused on speaking the word of God, discussing it with others, even going as far as debating it with others. But are we also doers of the word? James chapters one, verses 22 reads, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Brothers and sisters, it is important that the very word that we hear that we also put it into action in our lives, in our daily walk with the Lord. In this episode, we're gonna discuss six different topics, things that we must implement in our lives that's going to help us to become better disciples of God. Matthew chapter seven, Verses 24 to 27 reads, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and put them into practice is like a wise man who built his his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hear hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the stream rose and the winds blew and beat against his house, and it fell with a great crash. Beloved, let's build our house on the rock of Jesus Christ. Many are full of knowledge of scripture. They will tell you, I read the entire Bible front to back this many times while others are ready for a discussion or a debate and they are ready to prove that they are the most knowledgeable. But when you look at their walk, you wonder if they actually understand the words that they are reading. The Bible tells us that we judge a tree by the fruit that it bears. So the fact that you can recite the Bible 
or you go to church every Sunday, or that you are the youth leader at your church does not mean that you have the fruit of the spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And this can be found in Galatians chapters 5, verses 22 to 23. One of the reasons that happens is that those people, whether they realize it or not, are seeking knowledge to exalt their own selves in the eyes of others and not necessarily seeking a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a heart thing. This is not about who has the most knowledge, who has a PhD. It's not about that. This is a heart posture. What is the intent behind what, what you're doing? Why are you trying to study the word? What is your motivating goal here? Because when we really seek deep down inside of us, for those that are seeking knowledge, we're really seeking it to exalt ourselves. And that, my friends, is something that is very dangerous because that's rooted in pride. And pride, like we said in one of the episode, is the root is the in is the sin of the enemy that is the biggest thing that we have to combat is pride within ourselves because the in the kingdom of the enemy foundation is pride the kingdom of the devil the kingdom of satan stands on pride pride was the sin that was found in lucifer it was the sin that caused that cast him out of heaven so when we have pride, it's focused on ourselves when we should be focusing on Christ. We must become doers of the word. The word of God is like a seed. When we plant it in the field, which is our mind, then we will bear good fruit. For example, during my walk, one of the things that I saw that became apparent to me is when reading and learning and studying scripture and understanding and having revelation on how we are supposed to walk with certain situations that come up, God will give you a revelation but when you are put to the test, he will test to see, are you going to apply the things that I taught you? At first, it may be really hard to try to implement the things that he's taught you. I had situations where I had, um, you know, people will really try to get you in your emotions. And at first, although I knew that it was one of my weaknesses, at first I didn't, I would see how I went wrong after I had already reacted. And it's almost like a fire drill. Most of you that's worked in a building or in, in some type of cooperation where they would do a, a, a a fire drill and they'll kind of walk you through and tell you okay this is the checkpoint that you need to go to if ever there is a fire this person is responsible for th these duties you know you have to make sure like for me we would make sure that all patients are cleared um, we are in the uh, smoke compartments all doors are closed we know what stair stairwells that we need to go down um, and where we need to be found as a group within our office we know what the procedure is but what happens when there's a real fire many people 
in the middle of the test. We forget the very instructions that God had already given us. And that's why the Lord will continue to put us through that test until we learn. Until we learn. And that's what he did with me. I got to a point where I understood that my way of fighting against these type of things is praise and worship. And the moment that I recognized what was happening, I started to praise the Lord. Instead of getting upset or letting somebody ruffle me up, I started to praise and worship and I thanked the Lord. And immediately I understood that this was a fire drill. This was a test that I passed because I recognized and I didn't allow the enemy to cause me to get in my flesh. Instead, I, I fought back by praising, by going into the spirit and trusting the Lord to handle it. And that's exactly what God did. So think of learning these steps that we're going to go over as you know you're just getting the instruction you're getting the manual don't be too hard on yourself you're getting the manual and as you stay in prayer eventually you're not only just going to read the manual you're going to know how to act in the middle of a test if somebody comes to ruffle you up, you're not going to respond to that. You're going to respond by going into the spirit, by praying, by praising worship, by putting your focus on God. Because that's the enemy's trick. If he can get you to focus on yourself and get your eyes off of Christ, then he's already got you at his level. Once he's gotten you at his level, then he can fight. Until then, he can't touch you when you're walking in the spirit. Okay, beloved. So here are five things that we can do to become more doers of the word of the holy word of God. Number one, repent. Repentance is an expression, a sincere expression of regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. So when you say, God, forgive me for doing such and such, forgive me for, you know, um, whatever sin or whatever you need forgiveness for, if you ask God to forgive you, you can't go back to it. It's like a dog returning back to his vomit. You can't turn back. If you repent, you got to have remorse. And even if in the process of you being delivered from this, you fall short, at least in your heart, it's not your intention. So you need to be sincere. So if you are sincerely asking God for forgiveness for something that, you know, you know, is not pleasing to the to the sight of the Lord and you know that you have remorse and you want to change and you're you know having a changed mind about this particular action or this thought or whatever this is that you feel like is keeping you in bondage it has to be a sincere repentance jeremiah chapters 1 chapter 17 verses 9 reads the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it beloved we ourselves don't know our hearts the Holy Spirit has to reveal to you what is in your heart only God knows only God knows true repentance comes from sincere place in your heart and that's the only way to reach God because God he, he he looks at our hearts he tests our hearts our lips may say one thing and our heart says talks a whole different story and if you feel like you don't know you really or you notice that, you know what, my I'm not sincere about this, but I want to be. Help me to be sincere. Be honest with him. 
be honest with him. I have told him, listen, I know that um, you want me to change my eating habit. I really enjoy eating the stuff that I know is not good for me. Help me to change that. Be honest with him. Because he already knows what's in your heart. He just wants you to say, he wants you to be aware and be sincere with him because he's ready to carry you the rest of the way. Repentance is a change of mind. So you turn your away from this sin and you say, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. Help me with this part in my life that I'm struggling with. Repentance is necessary for salvation. You cannot have salvation without, without repentance. Paul and Peter identifies it with true salvation. Matthew chapters three verses eight says, produce fruit, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And just so you know, because we are sinners, this is not a one-time thing. You don't just repent once and everything else is a smooth sailing. This is a daily walk. Every day you wake up, you need to repent. Every second you have a chance. Because sometimes we repent in our we need to repent in our hearts. We need to repent from our thoughts. We need to repent from our actions because we're still human. It's a constant repentance of asking God for forgiveness. Because sometimes we sin against Him unknowingly. Sometimes we don't even have the full understanding of how we have already sinned against him. And that's why he has to show it to us. Number two, renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind is because we are taught one way but when we become once we 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 are saved and we um, give our life to god now we have to go through a process called the renewing of the mind the renewing of the mind is that we have to unlearn all that we've learned and learn it a different way philippians chapters 3 Verses 8 reads, this is Paul. He says this, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Everything that we have learned, the ways of the world, is as garbage. It's opposite from the way that God operates. So renewing of the mind is the unlearning of the world's philosophy, the world's knowledge, the world's education in some parts. We have to unlearn these things and learn the ways of God, the ways of Christ. When we really start digging into the scriptures, what you learn is there's a lot of ways where the, the ways of the world and the ways of God are total opposite. And that's something that we really have to pay attention to. Um, for instance, one way that I can think about it is when you get when you give your life to Christ, knowledge 
is not the same as having wisdom. God don't need you to be intelligent. That's the ways of the world. The world prize give you prizes and, and exalt people that are intelligent or that has a PhD or that have all these fancy letters and names behind their names. But Christ, he will use somebody that you wouldn't consider as anything important and he will and because that person will completely give their life to God they will get wisdom wisdom the Lord was telling was explaining this to me today wisdom is not the same as intelligence you can have somebody that's not very intelligent but that is that is rich in wisdom So the, the people that God will use in a mighty way are not necessarily Harvard, you know, graduates. He will choose the people that didn't graduate and he will exalt those people. He will give those people wisdom. He will, he will walk with these people. He will favor them and give them revelations that nobody else can understand. And that is the difference between the world's understanding and God's way. First Corinthians chapters three verses 19 says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. This is not to say that we shouldn't strive to be better, but this is to say that we have to understand that the walk of Christ is not based on what you can do. You have done nothing to deserve it. Everybody is on the same playing field. We are at the same point whether you have a PhD, whether you've never even graduated high school, if we all will surrender our lives to God, we all have the opportunity to be used and favored and be vessels for Christ. Romans chapters three, Romans chapters 12, Verse two says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we are not to be conformed but we need to be transformed by renewing our mind. This is the reason why when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, it was so hard for them to really understand and receive him because they were focused. They couldn't understand the ways of God. It was total opposite. Some of the things that they, that Jesus was saying sounded so strange to them because this was a difference between the knowledge of the world versus the knowledge of Christ. A few pointers that comes with the renewing of the mind is, stop believing that you can't control your thoughts. That's very important. Sometimes we just let whatever comes to our mind just go with it and we get caught up in these thoughts and these negative thoughts and we allow it to just take us into a dark place. So don't think that you can't control that. You do have control over your thoughts. Remember that what you feed your mind becomes your mindset. It's just like what we said with the, with the, with the field, whatever seed you plant in that field, that's the harvest that you will get. 
So if you are planting seeds of negativity, seeds of offense, if you're planting these seeds, then this is what you're going to get. I know it is hard because I'm dealing with this right now. And I have to constantly, every time I get a negative thought or a thought that's trying to keep me in this negative place where I'm feeding into offense, where I'm feeding into any type of other negative um, things, I catch myself and I start praising the Lord. And I'm like, thank you, God. Like, I, I love you, Jesus. I praise you. I bless your name. Holy is thy name. I just start focusing on Christ at that moment. And I put my focus back on him because that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to focus on yourself, to focus on what people did to you or why that person said this. He wants you to focus on anything else. He doesn't, it doesn't matter what you're focusing on, anything else but Christ. Why? Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. If you keep focus on him, he will bring you peace. So stay focused on him. Isaiah chapters 26 verses 3 reads, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Hallelujah. We have to stay focused on Christ. And again, this is a fire drill. This is a fire drill. We're just going through the instructions. That's all this is. This is just the instructions. So the first couple of times, I'm telling you, you're going to miss it. Those of you that catch it, that's great, but you're going to miss it. So don't give yourself a hard time. Sometimes I have to ask God to help me to find that little exit route before I go into that mindset. And there's a scripture that says that the Lord always gives us an exit route. The thing is, you have to identify it. The more it starts happening and the more you start being aware of when these negative thoughts are coming into your mind, you're going to start noticing there's a little entryway for you to exit out. And when you catch that, when you find your exit before you go down that downward spiral, when you find that exit, give it to Christ. Stay focused on Christ. It don't matter what you say. Sometimes I just say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. It doesn't matter what you say. Just focus on Christ. If you want to praise him right there in your heart, praise him. But get your mind off of the negative thoughts. Get your mind off of anything, any offense, any sorrow, any woe is me, any I'm not good enough, any type of negative thing. Stay, get your mind off of that and put your mind and thoughts on Christ. Philippians chapters 4 verses 8 reads, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep a positive thought mindset. Anytime you are getting ready to go into a, anything that is negative, whether it was an argument, a disagreement, whatever, or people picking at you, whatever the situation may be, if it's negative, get in the habit of putting yourself in a positive mindset. If you're sad or, or depressed about your situation right now, think about all the positive things that you have. There's still, you still have more than what somebody else doesn't have. You have the breath of Christ in you. 
Amen. Keep a posture of humility. Philippians chapters 2 verses 3 reads, Do nothing from, for, from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Always put others first. Don't focus some more, so much on yourself. Christ came to die for us. He came to die for you. By keeping a, a, a thought process of trying to focus on being humble, this will help you with becoming more of a disciple of Christ. Because the opposite of pride is humility. Humility is the foundation of the kingdom of God. Cast down all vain imagination that is raised against the knowledge of God. 2 Corinthians chapters 10 verses 5 reads, We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So if you ever have a thought that is blaspheming God, that is against the knowledge of God, that's telling you, oh, God doesn't exist. Anything like that, that's denying who God is, rebuke it in Jesus' name. You capture that thought. You don't let that thought go away. You capture that thought and you submit it. You respond and you say, no, Jesus, God is the creator of the world. Jesus is God. Made, in, made into flesh. Romans chapters 8 verses 5 to 6 read, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the spirit is life and peace. When we focus on our flesh, we focus on negative things. It's like the scripture said, for to set mind the mind on the flesh is death see the enemy knows what he's doing he does the same thing so he wants you to stay focused on your flesh because he knows that he has the upper hand especially if you're not if you're just you're you're still you're learning about these things and you're not very skillful in that it can be very tricky but if he has you, if you're walking by the spirit and you're not letting these things get to you, you have the upper hand. He can't touch you because you're walking by the spirit. The scripture says, but to set the mind on the spirit is life in peace. So this is why it's so important to not allow ourselves to control, to try to capture these negative thoughts because they get us in the flesh. And that's exactly the enemy's plan. Number three, discipline. <laughs> we want to create a regular routine for reading and studying scripture. When I was thinking about discipline, I really started to look for um, the disciples, their walk, um, their how they, you know, showed their discipline. And Psalms 119 verses 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The only way that we can store the word of God in our hearts is by constantly keeping a habit of reading the scriptures. 
Believe it or not, the more you read the word, eventually when you need that word, it'll come out of you. The Holy Spirit will just give you a word. Sometimes I'll remember a word and I don't even know where I read it from, but I remember the scripture and it'll just come out of me at the time that it's needed. Daniel chapter six, verses 10 reads, Daniel always prayed to God three times every day. Three times every day, he bowed down on his knees to pray and praise God. Now that's discipline. He was serious about his walk. We have to be more disciplined in our pursuit of our Lord and Savior. Oftentimes I think about how Muslim, they have a, a, a very strict and disciplined way about how they worship their God. Why can't we do that the same for Yahweh? He is the creator. He is the Alpha and the Omega. We praise him and we talk a great talk about him, but he wants to spend time with us. He wants us to be disciplined. He wants us to be purposeful in our pursuit of his heart. If you say you're going to pray twice a day, even once a day, he'll take that. chapters 10 verses 9 reads the next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city Peter went up onto the house to pray about the sixth hour Peter including Paul they all had a very disciplined life when it came to how they praise worship the Lord. Now the sixth hour was 12 p.m. And I believe they also prayed a couple times a day as well. In 1 Thessalonians chapters 5 verses 17 reads, pray without ceasing. Now what does that mean to pray without ceasing? The Greek word used for form without ceasing is adialeptis. When we first read this passage, it seems like it says pray without stopping, like just be in constant prayer or uninterrupted. That's how it sounds. But it actually means that which is constantly reoccurring. So that means that you are constantly praying for someone. You're constantly praising the Lord. You're constantly, so every time you have a minute to pray, you pray for someone, for instance. So that's what praying without ceasing means. It's not nonstop prayer, but periodically you can say, you know, say a short prayer. Like you can pray without ceasing for someone. You know, you pray more than once. You say the same prayer. It's a reoccurring prayer. So if you, you're praying for um, the healing of somebody, you're constantly praying it. So if you're praying, let's say you pray, you pray three times that day, each time you said the same prayer. So that's praying without ceasing. We need to get in the habit of discipline with praying without ceasing. Romans chapters 1 verses 9 says for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit and the gospel of his son that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers this is Paul so what he's saying is without ceasing exactly what we just said I make mention of you always in my prayers 
So if you're always praying for your mother, if you're always praying for your significant other, your your parents, your family, you know, work, your, you know, um, children, if you're constantly praying for them, you are praying without ceasing for those people. If you're praying about a situation in your life, you are praying without ceasing. The fourth thing, it's spreading the gospel. <laughs> the first thing you want to do when you're getting ready to spread the gospel, again, you need to check your motives. Look inside and check your motives. And ask the Lord also, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal your motives to you if it's not of him to help you so you can overcome that. Now, Matthew chapter seven, verses six read, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Don't waste what is holy on people who are, who are unholy. Now, this is something that I had to learn because when you go out to spread the gospel, this is not a time to argue or debate. We have to be very careful with that because we're not sent to argue with anybody. Mark chapter 16 verses 15 says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to our creation. There was a pastor that I, I, I watch on YouTube. His name is Gary Price. And what he was saying is a lot of times we sit, we, we have a preacher on the pulpit and we sit in the audience and we take in all this word every Sunday, but we don't do nothing with it. We don't do nothing with that word. We don't go and have that word go from me to the next person. We don't administer the word. We don't try to speak, to spread the gospel to people that may be in need of the gospel. When Jesus got his disciples, he sent them out to preach the word. That was what they were supposed to do. But are we doing that as effectively as they did back then? Matthew chapters 24 verses 14 reads, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Beloved, this is our mandate. It is our divine order that we spread the gospel of God because he will not return until his word has been spread out unto all four corners of the earth. Number five, sacrifice. Romans chapters 12 verses one and two says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We need to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. We have to deny ourselves by fasting. Some miracles or deliverance can only be achieved through fasting. There was a boy with a, um, a demon and when they sent the, the, when they called for the disciples, the disciples couldn't expel the demon. They could not cast out the demon. So the father then went to Jesus and Matthew 17 verses 21 says, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. There are some deliverance that we are praying God for that we cannot get because we have to fast. We need to learn how to fast to be in a fasting posture at all times. 
Fasting is when you abstain from all or some kinds of food or drinks for a set of time. For those of you that have medical conditions, I would tell you to, to um, speak to your physician before making the decision to do any fasting. But fasting can be abstaining from anything, not just food. If you have dietary restrictions and you're not able to do a fast, then you can fast um, social media or you can fast anything that you take pleasure in. You can make that sacrifice and give that time to God. When we read in Matthew chapters four, verses one and two, we see that even Jesus, he was led by the spirit into the wilderness and he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. But what happens when we fast? What is um, the result? But um, Galatians chapters five, verses 16 through 18 reads, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. We have to deny our flesh so that we can walk by the spirit. So it's almost like this. If you get up every day and you eat once, twice or three times a day, you're feeding your flesh. But if you. So you're feeding your flesh, if you're not reading the word, then your body, your flesh is stronger than your spirit. If you fast where you're not feeding your flesh, but you're feeding your spirit now with the word of God, which is the food of the spirit. Now your spirit man's become stronger. And that's how you walk by the spirit. Whenever you fast, you essentially become stronger in your spirit. Cause now you're feeding you're feeding your spirit and you're making your spirit stronger. It makes you really sensitive that God does a lot of revelation. He does a lot of um, teaching instructions when you fast. It's a very powerful, powerful thing to do. Um, we just have to offer ourselves freely to the Lord. Number six serve others. Now, one of my favorite stories about serving others is Matthew's chapters 20 verses 28. Um, even as the son of man, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many, we are asked to be like Christ. And he came on this earth to serve us, but not to be served. And Luke chapters 20 verses 27 reads, and he answered, you shall love your Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Verses 29 continues and says, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, 
Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the men who fell among the robbers? And the man that asked Jesus that question said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Our neighbor is anybody that we see that is in need, that we can help in any type of way. Let's serve our neighbors as ourselves. Now, when was the last time you did something nice for someone that you didn't know? See, it's easy to do nice things for the ones we love. But when was the last time you did something nice for somebody that you didn't even like or you didn't even know? Like buy a cup of coffee for a stranger or pay for someone's groceries or give them a, a handmade note or anything to uplift their spirits. Have you ever done anything like that? Now I would challenge you and ask you to try doing it for just one person. Bless one person. And let's just learn to serve our neighbors as ourselves as we continue down this path to become better, greater disciples of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, if you are here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want to have a deeper, a more personal relationship with Jesus Christ, why don't you just say this prayer with me? Lord, dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your son and I believe that he died for my sin and that he was raised from the dead, ascended into heaven and is alive today. I choose to follow, obey, and accept your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior from this day forward. Guide my life and help me to do your will. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that this message was able to bless you as it has blessed me. Until next time, beloved.